This is According to Callus. This is episode 233. And for lack of a better title, we're going to go with Testify Tuesday. And let me just tell you, I'm going to testify on what happened yesterday. Okay. So, actually, if you know me in person or you're involved in Collin County, you know I'm a little active here. And I put forth the resolution to censure John Cornyn. And to be brutally honest, it wasn't my writing. I borrowed it from the folks over in Henderson County that I believe were the first to censure John Cornyn, Senator Cornyn. And I did that with the assist and and a hat tip to Mr. Robert West of the Five Star Plan. Reason being is if it was good enough in one county, it's good enough for another county. I have since uh, spoke with and coordinated with a couple of folks over in Denton County. They're next up. I'm waiting on Grayson County. Guys, come on. I know you're only about 10% our size, but your county matters too. Okay. Now that I've got that all out of the way, um, let me just tell you, the vote wasn't even close. Uh, I was happy to put forth the motion, but if any congratulations are in order, it's to be to the county in general. The county was willing to, as precinct chairs, set aside the idea that this was a long-term Republican incumbent whom actually probably two years ago I would have said, well, he's, he's mediocre. I mean, he's, he's not awesome, but he doesn't stink. But the guy sold us out. I mean, he sold us out on red flag laws. He sold us out on other gun restrictions, which, by the way, is a violation of the Second Amendment, and Congress is not supposed to infringe on that. So, directly unconstitutional, and every fiber of my being knows this, and one would only think that the current Supreme Court would have a similar opinion which maybe is part of his gambit. I don't know. But then they turn around and allegedly state, or the hot mic, immigration reform is next. The guy's giving us away. He's selling us out. How can we tolerate this? Now I know there's the Reagan rule, right? You know, the 80-20. And I got to say, for many, many years, I was very generous. I would even go 70-30. Look, if if somebody's on our team and we agree on 70% of the stuff, that's good enough. But there's what I call deal breakers. Deal breakers are if you are pro-abortion, and I would even go say if you're quote-unquote pro-choice, unless it's a very, very narrow choice, yeah, I can't I can't support you, can't help you. If you are for any gun control at all, or shall I say for anything less than full constitutional carry, yeah, sorry, you're not my guy. Now, if you've got an R after your name, you know, I'll go hold my nose and pull the vote lever or press the button or whatever it's going to be here. I, I will, I'll put up with the stink because I don't have a better choice because the Democrat would be even worse. But the real problem is we have a whole slate of individuals that run as conservatives and then they go there to represent us. And they don't give a rat's behind about liberty. Oh, they may claim they're good constitutional conservatives. They may claim they're good Christians. But they don't value liberty. Now, I will freely admit, I am probably in that uh, 
I, I want to make sure I get the term correctly here. I am probably two or three standard deviations on the pro-liberty side than your average Republican voter. Okay. And I know that about myself. So I try not to get too spun up or too upset when I'm speaking to the average Republican voter and they have a different or a lesser freedom or liberty mindset than I do. Now I want to talk to them. I want to engage with them. I want to encourage them to want more liberty, but some people are not going to. And honestly, after two generations of being brainwashed that government is your father or your mother or both, it's very difficult for them to comprehend that there's this thing called liberty that people fought and died for at least twice in this country, notwithstanding the foreign wars. So when I speak to them, I try and engage, I try and be friendly, I try and be helpful. Now, the people that are closer to liberty than me, which again, you're you're talking about a narrower group of people, we all know, we know the drill. The majority of the Republicans, they're not where we are. We accept that. We will work with them. You know, we're definitely on that 70% threshold with them. And, and we want all these things passed that we agree on for sure. And after all that stuff's accomplished, if we want to fight for more liberty, then, then that's the time we'll worry about it. And I feel that way about a number of issues that are hot button, you know, conservative Christian issues that guys, I understand. I don't support that stuff. I think it's a bad idea. But I don't think throwing people in prison for that is a solution either. But that's not something they want to listen to. They're not open to it. They don't want to hear it. So I focus on the 70% or 80% of the stuff we agree on. I, I focus on helping them accomplish their goals because we're in league. We're on the same team. But it's very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. When we've got guys that run around with R's after their name, they claim to be Christians, they claim to be conservatives, they claim to be constitutionalists, and they sell us out. Or they just don't deliver. Or they cut a deal and say, well, you just have to take these crumbs. And we're just supposed to be okay with that. We're supposed to accept that the people that we help elect, we raise money for, we block walk for, we encourage other people to go vote for, we speak positively for, we work for them, and they sell us out. And this is an all too common occurrence. And they do it because of various reasons. I'm not going to pretend to understand what everybody's motivation is. Some would say it's for the money. Some would say it was for the recognition. Some would say is they want to go to the parties and hang out with the cool Democrats. Don't know, don't care. What I do know is they work for us. And that includes our U.S. Senator John Cornyn. And when our U.S. Senator John Cornyn crosses the line of no return, he has to be put on notice. Now, I took no joy. I, I... I was not happy that I had to do what I did. I was grateful that it passed and it wasn't even close. I was I was grateful that the body of the executive committee was, I wouldn't say not entirely in lockstep, but the vast majority were 100%, you know, Corny needs his hand slapped at the very least. Now, I will say there are at least two people that spoke in opposition. And I know at least one of them fairly well, and I mean her no disrespect. And, and we talked about it afterwards. And she brought up the valid point, and it is valid. 
She agreed with us, but she just thought it was a waste of time. She thought it was meaningless. She thought it would have no effect. And it's precisely when you have that mindset that they win. It's precisely when you give into that negative space that they win. And I understand where she's at. And quite honestly, there are days that I feel the same way. But if you're not going to fight, if you're not going to show up and you're not going to stand for liberty, then what are you doing? Why are you even involved? Now, if you're on the other side, I I know what you're doing. You're my enemy, right? Legitimately. And a lot of you actually want people like me dead. And okay, bring it. But the reality of the situation is, is the vast majority of the people that were present were either fully on board or partially on board. Now, there was another gentleman who I got to say, I don't know really well. And he admitted freely that he's kind of new to this. And he didn't understand the wisdom of censuring a U.S. senator, especially coming up on a general election. Well, first of all, the guy's not on the ballot. Second of all, he's four years before he runs again. And thirdly, the re- in all honesty, unless we get at least 50% of the counties to do this, it's only going to gather steam. At this point, it's smoke in the wind. But the more they do it and the more aggressively do it and the bigger percentages that it passes... But these are the party faithful. Keeping in mind, there were between eight and 12,000 of us down in Houston and the same Senator John Cornyn dismissed us as the mob. These are the people that are responsible for him being elected. These are the people that have supported him and stood by him. And he left us twisting in the wind. But we're the bad guys. We're the mob. I don't think so. In the, in the, The bigger issue here is the idea the guy claims to be a good Republican. He claims to be a conservative. He claims to be a constitutionalist. He claims to be a Christian. And I'm not going to dispute any of that because I don't know what's in the guy's heart. But what I'm going to say is his actions don't back up that claim. What I'm saying is he failed to deliver on what he promised. Now, let me give you an example. There is a local official here that went to both parties and both sides of forums and basically claimed I'm one of you. I'm here to do what's best for the city. And I'm a good moderate. I'm with you. And a lot of people bought it. Not once, but twice. But now this guy is openly working to get Democrats elected. He's openly working to intimidate People that deviate from the progressive mindset that is on the school boards, both in McKinney and Frisco. He is not in any way, shape, or form a moderate. He is not in any way, shape, or form somebody that wants to work together or build a coalition. Oh, he praises those that get stuff done, but the people he's praising that get stuff done are typically the ones that are selling us out. Not as bad as John Cornyn did. But they're always cutting the deals. They're always working the little angle. They're always, you know, getting a little something-something for somebody. Maybe not them, because that would be illegal. But when you've got a guy that claims to be something and isn't, 
That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And that's what we've got with John Cornyn. When you've got another guy that clearly speaks out of both sides of his mouth. And honestly, I don't want to delve into name calling, but some would say mm, a little bit of a worm tongue. How about that? It's a little soft there. That's a guy you got to watch. That's a guy you got to not trust. That's a guy you got to be concerned about. You don't want that guy to continue to be influential in politics or anything that concerns getting stuff done because he's willing to sacrifice your liberty, your property, your rights to, quote, get stuff done. And he's not unique and he's not the only one. I mean, we could just drift on down to Plano. They have a new mayor there that's cut from the same cloth. We could drift over to Frisco and their mayor's cut from the same cloth as well. But here's the problem. They keep getting reelected because there's enough Republicans out there that honestly believe that nonpartisan races are nonpartisan. That nonpartisan races are supposed to bring us all together, sing kubaya, and do what's best for the city, the town, or the school district. That may have been true 100 years ago. I'm not sure that it was, but it may have been true 200 years ago. I'm not sure that it was. But clearly now, everybody's running an agenda. I have an agenda. You have an agenda. We all have an agenda. We all want to see our agenda. And I'm honest. My agenda is I want to maximize liberty. I want to maximize your property rights. I want to maximize the amount of money you get to keep. I want to keep the government out of your bedroom and out of your wallet. Now, the Supreme Court has been generally helpful to our cause this term. They've made some really good opinions and some that were not so good. But on the whole, they've been generally positive for those that are right of center. But if we're wholly dependent upon them, we're setting ourselves up for failure. We have to redouble our efforts. The reason we've got John Cornyn is because we don't have somebody to replace them. And the reason why we don't have somebody to replace him is because we haven't been cultivating good people to run in the lower offices. We should have a half a dozen good congressmen in our state that are geared up and ready to take John Cornyn's spot. Now, someone said that our attorney general is potentially going to challenge John. That's great. Or maybe John will just retire and sail off in the sunset. And our current attorney general will step up to the Senate seat. But then there's a problem. Who is going to be our next AG? Certainly not George P. My gosh, that would be moving backwards. But who do we have waiting in the wings? Don't know. Are we cultivating new candidates? Are we cultivating better candidates? I don't think we are. And I'll be honest, Collin County has not done a good job, in my opinion, of cultivating candidates at the local level, whether it's school boards or whether it is city councils. Now, we have made a giant leap forward in the last year and a half. But when you're going from zero and you get to 30 miles an hour, it looks like, wow. The problem is, is our Democrat, progressive, socialist, atheist opponents, they own the field right now. And we're going to have to take it back piece by piece, bit by bit. And then when you've got the likes of John Cornyn giving them cover, when you've got the likes of, I don't know, several other elected officials in Collin County that either are at the state or the federal level, 
that don't help us out, they don't back us up, that's a problem. What are the interesting uh, little factoids I picked up in this last go-around? There were three guys that ran for city council and Allen. And those three guys that ran for Allen had a lot of grassroots support. They did a lot of effort. But what a lot of people don't talk about is the one state representative who actually lives in that area did put his, he did put his uh, neck out to help them out. And he does get grief, some deserved, some not, from the grassroots. But to my knowledge, he was the only elected official that helped those guys out, that helped them get across the finish line. Now, whether you like the guy or don't like the guy, whether you think he's done a great job for us or not done a great job for us, you have to give kudos where kudos are due. Now, you could be, uh, let's say a little salty, and say, well, he did it just to support him later. Maybe you're right, but this is a team sport. We're all on the same team. We have the R after our name. We're supposed to be working together. I don't fault the guy that wants to help out a couple of guys getting on the city council so that at some point in the future, they'll say, yeah, he's a good guy. He had our back. To me, that's a fair trade. That's the way we should be working together at a county party level, we should be helping out the people that are on our same team. The problem is we've got a lot of people that I would call mm, double agents, interlopers, invaders that come to us, claim to be conservative, claim to be Republicans. Some of some of these people actually come from out of state. They relocate here and they're here for a year or two and they'll, oh, I'm on your team. You need to elect me. You've been in Texas for like 15 minutes. Why in the world would I want you helping to decide Texas's future? Now, full disclosure, when I ran for office in 2019, I was here for over 20 years. I wouldn't have felt right running for an office in a state that I moved into if I wouldn't have been here for at least 10 years. Some have said 20 years. Some would say you have to be born here. I don't get in all that. But... Two years or less? Come on, man. Who are you trying to fool? <coughs> Maybe the minimum threshold's five years. I don't have that answer. But what I can tell you is we should not be dependent upon fingers in the wind or little search parties or rolling the dice on people that are unknown to run and represent us at the school boards and in the city councils. We need solid people that we know that have been active or are active in those individual boards, right? If you're going to a school board meeting and you've got somebody that's in there uh, 50% of the time or more asking questions and, you know, not sure what's going on and trying to, you know, call for transparency. These are people you want to at least investigate. You want to see if they're on your team or not. And then you work with them. Now, there are people that run around and claim they want transparency. They claim they want this. They claim they want that. And then they go to end up and they're working for the other team. They never were on your side in the first place. I, for one, have no issue for somebody asking for transparency. But when their motivations become clear that it's really trying to just embarrass somebody, when it's really trying to mm, just slow the process down or cause problems or create hurdles, that's not conducive. That's not helpful. 
If somebody actually thinks there's a problem and they're asking for FOIA, you know, requests, great. If somebody suspects there's malfeasance or something criminal going on, absolutely. But the problem is, and again, this is what we're talking about on the same team here. Apparently, we don't get a lot of help from the... (laughs) I want to be careful I say this. We don't get a lot of help out of the prosecution or the prosecutor's office. Think of that what you want. I'm not sure why that is. I know that could be rife for abuse, so I defer to hmm, the better angels there that maybe that's what is at play. But when we've got stuff that's clearly a little hanky or questionable or definitely coloring outside the lines, that's clearly something that ought to be investigated. That's clearly something that ought to be questioned. And the fact that we turn a blind eye to it all the time only fosters the idea that we can cut these backdoor deals. We can have all these little... I I hate to say it, but the swampy things going on, right? I, for one, hey, there's an establishment. There's a group of people that, you know, are always going to be there. They're always going to be working in the background. They're, they're not really concerned about what's right or wrong. They're worried about what's feathering their nest, what's best for growing government. Most of them don't actually hate us. They take advantage of the people that hate us and they take advantage of the people that are supposedly helping us because it grows their organization. It grows their power. It grows their influence. It grows their budget. Beware the shadow government, if you will. Probably not the right term, but come on, play along with me here. So we got one little piece of the puzzle done. In Collin County last night, we successfully issued a censure prior to doing the censure. We made sure, or I made sure that I sent notification via email and left a voicemail. There was roughly 10 days notification. Somebody could have shown up and spoke on his behalf and be quite honest. I don't think it would have changed a thing in Collin County. We have to follow the process. We have to follow the rules. We have to set a good example. If we're not going to do that, then all this is for naught. We want <clears throat> we want people to be respected and represented. And if we're not willing to listen to people that disagree with us, we're no better than they are. If we're not willing to treat them with respect, we're no better than they are. But that should only go so far. That should only... That courtesy should only go so far. When somebody's actively looking to destroy that which makes the city, the county, or the state special, or nice, unique, whatever your adjective is, they're the problem. They need to be dealt with. They are heard out, and then they're told, no, shut up, to borrow Brian McClanahan's <laughs> refrain. When you're giving me crazy ideas that are about destroying what's good, I don't need to play along. I'm not interested in playing along. But hey, if you got an R after your name and you're on my team and you don't break the cardinal rules, you don't violate the principles, you don't sell us out, I've got a lot of grace for you. A lot. But when you're going to cross that line, somebody's going to have to hold you accountable. 
And in this case, Callan County stepped up to the plate last night. And I would encourage you, if you're in a county in Texas and you've listened to this, hey, call up Henderson County. Go on the web pages. You can find the very same censure document that I used. Copy it. Change it to your county. Change the date. Notify our good Senator Cornyn ahead of time so that you can comply with what the rules are in Rule 44. And then bring it before the body of your executive committee and let them decide, do we want better people to represent us? Now, I'm going to leave you with one final thought on this. And it's important. Uh, My new friend, uh, Jared, when responding to the question or the criticism that this isn't going to do anything and this is meaningless. And I'm going to paraphrase. Basically, he said, you can't get rid of these guys if you don't put them on notice. You can't encourage other people to run against bad representatives if you're not willing to say that guy stinks and he needs to go away. You can't expect people to risk their time, their money, and their efforts to run against an incumbent if you're not willing to say that incumbent's bad. If you're not willing to censure them or come out vocally and publicly against them, why would you think that anybody is going to be willing to risk that to primary them? This is the means to get a better candidate. This is the means to ensure that you get primary challengers. It's expensive. It's time consuming. It's a lot of work. And if you think somebody's going to do that against somebody that looks unbeatable, you're sadly mistaken. Now, somebody responded on social media today that, well, Cornyn won with 70% in the last election. My response is, so did Van Taylor. And honestly, while we're at it, voting irregularities aside, and your personal thoughts on that, does anybody really think? Nah, you know what? Never mind. We're just going to leave that alone. I've touched on it before. Does anybody really think that if you don't run a good challenger against the sitting incumbent that we're ever going to get anything better? Does anybody really believe that if we keep accepting the crumbs that we're given, that we're ever going to get anything better? Because if you do, California is the place you ought to be. So you might as well load up the family and head to Beverly. Because you ain't helping. Texas is Texas because people were willing to stand down. Or I'm sorry, to face down. A very powerful army led by a very good general. And they defeated them. And they held them off. And they got their own country. Texas made the fateful decision to bind themselves to the United States. Then they made another fateful decision to get involved in the War of Secession. Rightly or wrongly, they were fighting for what they believed was liberty. The leaders that made the decision, probably not. But the average Joe, the guy that went and put on his gray slacks and boots, he probably thought that's what he was doing. 
Now, you can believe he was misled. You can believe it was a lie. That's all fine and good. But people don't go live in terror and risk their lives for an abstract nothing. They have to believe there's a tangible result, that there's something worth fighting for. And we have shown at least twice in our country they're willing to die for liberty. I'm not asking you to die for anything. I'm asking you just to put in a little work. To put in a little effort. I don't think I'm asking too much. And I'm here to testify to you right here and now that that's going to make all the difference in the world. Whether it's just at that little local race in your school district or your city council. Or if it's knocking out a U.S. sender. With that, folks, this was According to Callus. This was episode 233, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share, like, subscribe, and leave a comment. And I will see you on the other side.